Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of a theme park day? Do you experience feelings of dread at your local Six Flags? Have you and your family seen a spook, specter, or ghost around the churro stand? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and call the professionals. Well, not actually professionals. More like casual tourists. <coughs> Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters, Huntington Hotel on Unbuilt. dreamers of all ages to another episode of unbuilt an unrealized theme park podcast with me today as always is my co-host ryan dorman how are we doing today uh, as as the uh as the ray parker jr said i ain't afraid of no ghosts <laughs> i couldn't think of a better of a better way to start <laughs> ain't afraid of no ghost all right perfect it's funny. Uh, so, what what is the song that he ripped off? It was um oh right wasn't, wasn't okay. So there's two of them that are like this. It was Ice Ice Baby ripped off uh, Queen's Under Pressure. Yes, and I believe it's uh, for Ghostbusters. Is I want a new drug by th- Huey Lewis. Yes, it, it yeah. is a Huey Lewis song. Yeah, um, I think it's I want a new drug. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if they sued over that. I know that <laughs> that they uh, that Vanilla Ice was sued for mm-hmm. Ice Ice Baby. Right. I know that for a fact, but I don't know if uh, Huey Lewis ever sued Ray Parker Jr. about that well, one. But. Obviously, I mean, obviously, this is a, a theme park <laughs> podcast and not the needle drop. But mm-hmm. we, I guess, I, the one I, you could argue that the, nowadays that would just be called sampling. But perhaps yes. Well, yeah, that's 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 true. It would be a <laughs> it would be like a sampling and a homage, whereas right. uh, Ray Parker Jr. and Vanilla Ice was like, uh no, no, yeah, they just sued them. Yeah. <laughs> At least they just sued. I know they sued Vanilla Ice like crazy over that. Mm-hmm. And now I think I think Rick Ross even just sampled Vanilla Ice, which <laughs> going back would then sample Queen. So it's mm. a it's a crazy history, which but is that's what like, we discuss here. Is history, it's like a right? sample inception or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, today we are starting off our Halloween time podcast uh, <laughs> with three three Halloween themed episodes this month, and today we're going to be starting with a spooky Ghostbusters attraction that was never built for Six Flags. Uh, mm. We are also recording on a we are well we're, we're not recording on the day, but we're releasing the episode on a special day. For a special theme park, a series of theme parks, it's uh, the Vacation Kingdom of the World, as it was known (laughs) back then. Uh, Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary is today on the day that you are listening to this, or maybe it was October 1st, if you're listening to this in the future, whatever, releasing this on October 1st, and 
we're going to, before we get to Ghostbusters Huntington Hotel, we're going to be talking about Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. I'm Julie Andrews, and I'm here at the opening of the Walt Disney World in Florida, just a few miles away from Cape Kennedy, where men point their space vehicles toward the stars. Walt Disney decided to launch his final dream. A commitment to the future for your children and mine. This is a world of lakes and waterways, incredible new rides and illusions, of wildlife sanctuaries for nature's creatures, as well as camping grounds and golf courses and all manner of wonderful things for the human species. Happy 50th Walt Disney World. We're going to be taking a short look back at the opening of the Magic Kingdom and everything surrounding it. To this day, when it opened, Walt Disney World had only a few things. It had the Magic Kingdom, the Contemporary Resort, the Polynesian Resort, and I believe, I'm not sure which golf courses, but it was two golf courses because Card Walker and uh, Roy Disney were obsessed with golf, and the Seven Seas Lagoon, I believe. Is there anything? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm missing anything else. There. I think that's the, for the for the resort. Yeah, I think that would be. I don't know. My my history might be a bit off. Uh, it didn't open with the monorail, did it? Yes, it did. The monorail thought, okay. wasn't. It. Have you ever seen the Walt Disney World opening special? I have not. It's another one of those opening specials that I can't say I've seen. Oh, that's such a great one. It's so weird. Uh, it starts off with Glenn Campbell uh, <laughs> on a guitar, milling about through the swamp, and he comes upon a monorail. That just starts swerving by and the monorail pulls into the contemporary resort and out comes Bob Hope, who does a set right on the Grand Canyon's <laughs> concourse. And it is wild. Fully recommend anybody listen to it. There's also wacky shenanigans that happen with other celebrities of the time. I can't remember. There's like this whole bit with some comedian whose whose wife is gone crazy from driving all the way to Walt Disney World. It, it is bonkers. It is a 1970s special for sure. A different era. Yes, a, indeed. A changed world. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about the Muppets, so the 70s was uh, <laughs> an odd pl- time for uh, mm-hmm. show business. When Walt Disney World opened, uh, the Magic Kingdom, of course, had... It had a lot of similarities to Disneyland, but it also had its very much of its own flavor. You know, it had Cinderella Castle, but it also had a similar but not similar Haunted Mansion. Uh, it was very barren. I believe Tomorrowland only had, I feel like, Flight of the Moon, and that was uh, it. It had the Speedway as well. Yeah, it had the Speedway. That's right. Yeah. It had the Speedway. We had 20K, uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea with its uh, Nautilus subs that Mm -hmm. people very much miss. 
to track Mr. Toad. I don't believe you've ever ridden the Mr. Toad. It was it was gone by the time. No, you, by the time I went, um, it it was gone. I mean, if it was there, I was very young. But I think no, I never rode it. Not in Walt Disney yeah. World, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I can't remember. It's like they didn't have much in Frontierland. I, do you remember what was in Frontierland? So I think I mean it was besides the Jamboree, shooting right? gallery and the yeah. country bear, yeah, that was it. Right, and it, then it, not even the boats because the boats didn't open till a couple days later. I think. Yeah, and uh, oh, that's Liberty Square technically. So yeah, right. With Liberty nothing. Square, we had the Hall of Presidents and the Haunted Mansion. Right. Of course, we yeah. So once again, we had the Country Bear Jamboree, the Diamond Horseshoe Review, a lot of shows. I mean, there wasn't that much. It was only nineteen attractions upon mm-hmm. opening. A lot of shows. Um. A lot of a lot of like kind of a spare attractions of sort. Uh, It was very very barren. It was more of the theme park seemed like an attachment for a a, you know vacation, very relaxing vacation uh, that you were supposed to have. Because back in the 1970s, the idea is that you would go down for the week and you would do all sorts of activities, Mm -hmm. and you know you would play golf, you would water ski. You would have a dinner at the top of the world on the contemporary. It wasn't just about going to the theme parks. It was much different. How um, times have changed in 50 years. Exactly. Now, here on Unbuilt, of course, we look at what was never done at Walt Disney World. And they did have a lot of ambitious ideas on the Seven Seas Lagoon. There was little spots there for different hotels the idea was that you were going to go to it was almost sort of a version of world showcase that never was and you were going to have the mediterranean the venetian the uh the asian in the seven seas again you would have a resort that would represent each portion of the world hmm. and you could go to explore these as the monorail route would take you to them Nowadays, the monorail goes to the Polynesian, the Contemporary, and the Grand Floridian. But originally, the monorail was going to go to, you know, the Contemporary, the Polynesian, the the Mediterranean, the Asian, the uh, Venetian, and all these hotels that you would go around the loop. Perhaps that would have justified the Seven Seas title a bit more than right. Well, that's that's the idea. That's that's how it was supposed to be. But instead, they did it to where the hotels were going to represent a certain land. So the Polynesian would obviously be Adventureland and the contemporary is Tomorrowland. You can see it from Tomorrowland. So it's supposed Mm -hmm. to blend in like that. The also uh, other plans, of course, were the Western River Expedition, which is an episode we will get to. I actually recently got the Mark Davis uh, in his own words book, and I believe you have this as well. Yes, I do. Yeah. The Western River Expedition is entirely detailed through it. Hmm. And once again, we will get there. Most likely we'll get there in 2022. I'm very excited to do it because it is one of those unbuilt attractions that is sort of the stuff of legends because it is pretty much the version of pirates for kind of the Western times that we never got. And People are absolutely crazy over it, even though it was very likely super racist. Oh, well, you know, it was the the Walt Disney Company in the 1960s and 70s. What else would it be? Yes, exactly. 
but there was going to be a theme song and splashdowns and lots of animatronics and gags Mm -hmm. that were going to be there. And the only reason why we didn't get it is because everybody went and were like, "Uh, where's Pirates of the Caribbean? Right. Disney didn't think that Pirates uh, was going to be exotic enough for Floridians, but they didn't care. They saw television Walt Disney showing Pirates of the Caribbean. And they're like, well, I want that. Where's that? So they built that instead in 1973. The oil crisis happened and we never got Thunder Mesa or the Western River Expedition. Once again, we will explore these all these topics on a future episode. But for now, uh, I just wanted to know your thoughts of Walt Disney World in its early years and how it's evolved since then. I think the perception at the beginning that Walt Disney World was going to be not only the Disney theme park capital of the world, but the vacation capital world, capital of the world and everything that encompasses that is pretty interesting. Uh, it's really neat to think about what did, of course, go unbuilt in that case and what the park would have looked like, the resort would have looked like had they been more interested in preserving the dynamic vacation that was anticipated uh, at the inception. You get little pieces of that after 1970s and into the 80s and 90s, Mm. but I don't think anywhere was it more apparent that Walt Disney World's initial concept was that you would be not only visiting the theme parks that you do in Disneyland, but instead of spending let's say a week in Anaheim like you may have in California, now you're going to be doing a variety of activities. It was a way to lock you in into what many people wanted on a vacation. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it says a lot about like leisure culture in the past 50 years mm-hmm. that guests have pivoted away from wanting to go on long, sprawling vacations with dynamic uh, schedules and now just simply are fine with spending five days at a theme park, a variety of theme parks within the resort. One thing that you said that was super true, though, is the the sheer limited number of attractions that opened at the Magic Kingdom. Um, the list of attractions that were open, some of them are like barely attractions. Some of them are like the Dapper Dans and things yeah. like that. We, we, we often hear the stories of Disneyland opening in a very skeletal state with, with you know Tomorrowland basically being unfinished and progressive updates happening over the days. But Walt Disney World seemingly didn't start too different that on opening day there were finished attractions of course more than at disneyland but neither necessarily opened with the full power of what they would be within five years of the park so it's really neat to compare the initial trajectory of the resort to where we see it now in 2021 you know it it is interesting because like you said the, the whole idea was the entirety of Walt Disney World was pretty much on the basis of one gigantic unbuilt attraction, which mm-hmm. wasn't really an attraction. It was a city. It was Epcot, <laughs> an experimental prototype community of tomorrow. And Walt dies and they're like, what the heck are we going to do with this thing? We just bought all this <laughs> land in Florida. What did we do with it? Well, there was this plan for a recreational area right up the way on Bay Lake. What do we do with this? So Roy Disney it decides, well, let's just kind of start with this vacation kingdom idea. And it feels like they they built Epcot Center in 1982, mm. which, let, let, let's be honest, that entire thing with Epcot Center was just a confused way of getting through a promise that they gave to the Florida legislator. And they pretty much just kind of forgot about 
maybe we won't actually build a city. Here's something else, something entirely different. And at that point, it feels like uh, Walt Disney World kind of uh, moved away from being more of a leisure vacation and into sort of a theme park destination that is you know super high tech and evolving and then when michael eisner took over they kind of pivoted right back in that direction when he built all these resorts and attractions he he built we were just discussing disney mgm studios that entire thing was a half day park and the other projects such as pleasure island typhoon lagoon was to further fill out your days and i remember hearing hearing about people and it's strange when i go uh as of this when this episode uh, records or releases i'll be on vacation five days i won't actually be spending a full week in walt disney world i'll be spending a, uh, a week in orlando going between different places because that's just how i like doing it but i also always hear about people who vacation in walt disney world and do like a week or two weeks you know even you Mm -hmm. know that's crazy with the people in the uk they spend like two weeks there and in the 90s they would kind of you know mill about nowadays it seems it seems more militant where everybody goes to the theme parks and you know that's the whole idea of genie plus is they maximize their schedules so it is interesting that Disney World has gone through these waves of being a more relaxed, laid-back leisure attraction. And that's exactly how it was 50 years ago, is mm-hmm. that it was supposed to be this leisure attraction. In the Eisner era, it sort of became another leisure attraction, but you had uh, this wide swath of things to do, wide world sports, uh, downtown Disney, Pleasure Island, Disney Quest, uh, you know, so many things. And now it's less of a leisure, laid back leisure attraction, and more of a military operation to get as much done as possible. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if it was the era of consumerism or cocaine, but it seems like Walt Disney yeah. World slowly evolved into this very high paced, high opportunity, high packed mm-hmm. thing. And high um, it, it, it's well, yeah, of course, high priced. <laughs> <laughs> but it's neat to look back at how it started and it, it really does it, it was built almost like the addition to a to a to a city, right? Almost mm-hmm. like a, a getaway. Uh, somewhere where you would go if you lived and were working nearby, I guess, per se, like Disneyland. Um, and it's it's a very different place nowadays. So, mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, you look back at 50 years ago and they have that very 70s feel to all the brochures and the mm. maps and stuff like that. And just how it was like the, the dining, a lot of chicken breasts and jello molds and <laughs> lots of emphasis on golf because golf was just massive in the 70s. See, this is where Disney lost its way. There's no more jello molds at Space mm. 220. It's the- Yes. You just take a space elevator and you get what what is the food at Space Two Twenty? I don't even remember now. Well, you can, you know, it's it's well obviously uh, <laughs> well it's rather like simple. Most of it's just like uh, like calamari is on the list, like fried calamari, and then like salmon, just really boring. Rich well, it's it's stuff, price you know? fixed, so you might well, it's, as well... yeah, but it's not even interesting price fix. Like the uh, the coral reef might have more interesting food than <laughs> so like the entrees for lunch are the blue house salmon, the centauri mm. burger, flat iron steak, seared tuna, and baked. M- Macaroni. Imagine going to Space 220 and getting a hamburger. 
I mean, imagine going to Space 220, because I certainly will have to, you know. It's I like I said, I'm going to go and go, uh, hi, can I um can I ride the elevator? And they're gonna be like, um, do you have 70 bucks? No. Okay, hey, <laughs> do you have bye. 50 bucks for lunch? Yeah, oh, bye. Yeah, they'll kick you out when you point out the conveniently placed cloud mm-hmm. over the right. <laughs> stuff they haven't finished yet. Yeah, so elevator. like Flaying Mignon. Ro- slow rotation short rib Florida red snapper X2 duck terribolones it just doesn't Notes look particularly unique mm-hmm. the dessert does but everything else is like oh, I'll go get a Ronto wrap for $12 thank you very much <laughs> no the top of the world uh, the, the way it used to be that was like the big deal you would have to like I believe there was a stress code up there there still would, is one isn't there for the um, is it because it's California I think yes. there's still a dress code. There's a dress code in a couple places in Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. Um, and Victoria well, I mean, and Alberts. Alberts. Yeah, Victoria and Alberts. And Blue like, Zoo is also as another one. The one in that's in Swan and Dolphin. So I guess right. it's technically not you know Disney, but but here here is the top of the world menu: fresh fillet of papagno and papillot. I cannot even pronounce that. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, uh, orange glazed roast Long Island duckling. Hey, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> it beats a cotton candy martini for $15. Uh, roast prime rib of beef and supreme of chicken were sunny uh, and filet mignon. The, <laughs> the entry is $8 a person, $45 today. Compare, <laughs> compare that to space 220 today yeah but do you get a uh, hydrolator do you get the guns you get to see uh, uh, an lcd screen of the earth as you eat at no. the top of the uh, top of the world no that that's the extra 30 dollars a person mm-hmm. i would say that the in, in general those those 1970s times it, it's so weird because you look at it and it's so distinct and you can tell mm-hmm. exactly what it came from. But I am definitely way more interested in the 80s, early 90s time. I'm sorry. I, I get the retro chic of it all. But if I went to Walt Disney World in the 1970s, I think I would be bored out of my mind. Yeah, they, they had the Fiesta Fun Center. Do you know much about the Fiesta Fun Center? Vaguely, but you can fill me in. It's the arcade in the contemporary Pretty yes. much the contemporary had a lot of convention space and they realized uh, that the <laughs> Magic Kingdom closes at, I believe, 6 p.m. back then. And they, were, they had kids and they're like, the kids have nothing to do because all of the other activities are based around for adults like mm-hmm. golf and <laughs> water skiing. Oh, I saw a picture of this. It's the yeah. really big arcade. Yeah, no, so food court too, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were like, well, let's build this. And the Fiesta Fun Center was open until midnight. Hey, it's uh, go get your high score on Pac-Man. Yeah, so crazy seventies kids did. Just, they send all these nineteen seventies kids, and you can actually see it, by the way, in. The Mouseketeers go to Walt Disney World in 1977 special. And you can actually see the Fiesta Fun Center as the Mouseketeers go to it. It's this gigantic arcade. All the 1970s kids would go there. <laughs> you can you can definitely get a feel for uh, what it was like back then uh, for children. Uh, in other words, extremely boring. Mickey Mouse got jealous of his rat counterpart, Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> There was actually a movie theater in there. You could actually go into really? the pack and see Disney movies. Yeah, see, and you know what? <laughs> you can't even do that now. <laughs> they, they knew what they were. Well, what movies were they watching? Like The Black Cauldron? What? But the, 
Oliver and company. What was out at the they time? They were like watching like million dollar duck. Or <laughs> love, love the happiest millionaire, of the course. Yeah, it would run for like three Shaggy hours. Shaggy DA. Yeah. <laughs> Unidentified flying oddball. Oh my God. Oh, I forgot that was a yeah. thing. Oh my. That movie was <laughs> dreadful. I don't even oh. think I mentioned that when we talked about it, but I fell asleep like three I just times. I remember it was like I had the line, I can turn you off as fast as she can turn you on to the room. Yep. It's like a horrible seventies movie. It was like oh. full of like rip off monkeys music, which is already like a rip off of the Beatles. It was so bad. It's bad. Oh, that was such an interesting time in Disney history. But anyways, Walt Disney World <laughs> is now 50 years old. Happy birthday, Magic Kingdom. Hey. I will be there in suffering in one week there at the Magic Kingdom to spot all the golden statues that are not in any way paying tribute to the Walt Disney World's resort and more advertising current movies on Disney+. Plus. There's, there's a, there's a, you know, uh, in, there's a Joe Gardner in the wrong part in Hollywood Studios instead of Epcot. <laughs> It's wait why would uh, why would Joe Gardner need to be at Epcot? I'm just because oh did you okay so they closed the um right, right side of American Adventure that's right they the, have uh, a they have an exhibit there now don't yeah it's the 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 jazz experience or something the American I don't remember it's called the American Experience or something like that it's about jazz yeah it's a soul yeah. Uh, little you know exhibit. what's you know what's messed up? There's no Muppet statues. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know how to follow that one up. Like the best they could do is Kermit. There's no nothing statues on there. Wow, we blew way past our uh, time limit on this one. We should move on to the main topic right now. Let's go out of nostalgia and let's uh, let's start going to uh, busting ghosts. <laughs> We're going to go to the most uncontroversial topic ever. Of course, that's Ghostbusters. <laughs> Ghostbusters! Something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! All right, here we are for our main topic starting the month of Halloween for Ghostbusters. What is your familiarity with the film? Uh, the the first Ghostbusters. First, first I love the first Ghostbusters. I've yes, seen. I, I remember I was shown it really young. It was the first movie to scare me, Ooh. because the library scene with the the jump scare. Yeah, that scared the ever loving hell out of me. And then I saw Ghostbusters two once in a car. Uh, so, but I love the first Ghostbusters. Uh, so, what is your opinion of Ghostbusters two? I remember there's an NES power pad in. <laughs> <laughs> they they sure did uh, <laughs> resurrect the what the Statue of Liberty, right? Yes, that's the, he he drives the Statue of Liberty with an NES joystick controller, mm-hmm. and that's all I remember. And the the painting, I guess I remember the painting, yes. but that's, uh, that's Peter McNichol is in it, and he is he is very good in it. He is hilarious in it. Uh, but they do a lot of interesting things, mostly motivated by the cartoon. Do you, are you familiar with the cartoon? So actually, that I didn't know. Is the second film really that heavily inspired by the what is it? The new Ghostbusters or the, the real, real the real the Ghostbusters? Real Ghostbusters. That's oh, what it there is. were some things. Uh, Ivan Reitman, Harold Ramis, uh, and a lot of the they didn't want to do this film because they thought right. it was boring. 
Yeah, I, uh, I mean, they were right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, if you don't want to do it, you're going to have to institute some changes from the cartoon because we want to sell merch and we're doing this more for kids. So it's a little bit more toned down. Mm-hmm. And they had Janine redone. Annie Potts character is now modeled after the Janine from the cartoon, which mm-hmm. was remodeled to make more interesting to little boys weird uh they wanted to emphasize lewis tully um Mm. and as well as slimer which is funny because in the in ghostbusters 2 they originally had a plot where uh slimer and lewis tully would have kind of a feud with each other because the slimer character was huge in the cartoon and then Mm. they deleted pretty much all of it for time you can actually see this in the film when Lewis is dressed up as a Ghostbuster because all the other Ghostbusters, I believe, are taken into a mental asylum and they need something. Uh, they need him to because the what, what is it? The the museum has been taken over by uh, I can never remember the name of the villain in Ghostbusters too. whatever Peter McNichol is taken. Uh, mm-hmm possession of future ryan here hi for those screaming at your phones or car stereos the answer is vigo the carpathian and he goes to a bus stop and the bus opens up and it's slimer and he goes oh it's you (laughs) okay but i didn't know you had your license (laughs) and and that's the only remnant from that subplot the entire deleted subplot is there it is a very strange film uh, it is it has some funny stuff because it's the original actors but mm, we're not going to talk about anything else <laughs> from ghostbusters that is there because we're focusing on the 1980s ghostbusters i know there's other ghostbusters stuff out there we will not be talking about it uh, i'm not Bye. going to answer that call so <laughs> so let let us talk about the actual attraction itself so what is it Uh, in june 1984 sony pictures released ivan reitman's ghostbusters a horror comedy starring bill murray dan Aykroyd, harold ramis sigourney weaver and ernie hudson in the film three scientists start up a ghost extermination business that rids new york city of all of its supernatural pets this culminates in a massive paranormal apocalyptic event that the Ghostbusters must prevent from occurring. The movie was a smash hit and became the second highest grossing film of the year, mostly on the backs of the combination of special effects wizardry and the top-notch comedic skills of the actors. With the success, marketing quickly went into overdrive, producing an animated series in 1986 and a plethora of toys. Another item to check off the list? Theme park attractions. Valley Manufacturing, an entertainment giant, was exceeding in its grasp in the 1980s with the purchase of hotel chains and theme parks as it bought the Six Flags chain in 1983. The company also owned Valley Midway, which was creating cabinets of some of the most popular arcade games of the day, including Space Invaders, Pac-Man, and Miss Pac-Man. This marriage did not go unforeseen by Bally Midway, as they searched Sente Technologies, co-founded by Roger Hector, who used to be an employee for Atari. The very next year, in 1985, Bally wanted the division to create an interactive dark ride for their Six Flags theme parks, and had the hottest property on the earth lined up for the job. 
The project was dubbed Ghostbusters, the Hauntington Hotel. The two and a half minute ride was to be a first in the industry long before anybody had debuted the concept of a shooting dark ride. Per designer Roger Hector, the target ghosts were a combination of physical animated props or CG displays that were combined through mirrors and they reacted slash exploded when they hit. The guns were a combination of laser pointer and IR emitter that kept track of hits and displayed the player score. The whole thing was created, designed, engineered, and prototyped at Sente. And the ride system was in the hands of a prominent roller coaster engineering company, Intamin. In the ride, Guests would climb into a two-seater ghost mobile with the colors of the Ecto-1 plastered on it. The Ecto-1, of course, was the vehicle that the Ghostbusters traveled in. Uh, it was a, I can't remember, is it a hearse or is it a old ambulance? So the hearse you're remembering from Oh no, another film. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what it is in the, maybe it's also a hearse. I, it's done off screen. They purchased it off screen, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah, I, maybe I, I, I can look into that. <laughs> <laughs> so on these ghost mobiles, an orange lap bar would lower containing the two zapper guns that did not look anything like a proton wand, but whatever. It's like a Star Trek gun almost. You can probably yeah, see it and on you, Twitter. You kind of have the two triggers on the side. You would kind of hold it. It's it's a little similar to the Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin ones, but this one has two prong shooters and, and it's kind of like more of more of a joystick variety. Mm-hmm. The vehicles would head out of Ghostbusters HQ and into a front garden opening scene, entering the hotel facade. Inside the lobby, the game would begin as mirrored displays would trigger ghost effects, and guests would begin shooting at them. An example of a gag is that guests would head towards a closed elevator door and see the floor display arrow swing wildly in the opposite direction. The elevator would open the reveal a ghost holding a pair of shears, having cut the elevator wires, taunting going down. Next, guests would wander down a long, spooky hallway where do- random doors would open up to reveal ghosts doing wacky shenanigans, and you would shoot at them. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, we <laughs> would enter a bedroom where a guest is terrified in bed as a foot of the bed rises up to show a demon underneath. And the way that they would do this was that in the bed, embedded in the bed, would be a TV monitor, and it would kind of rise up and then rise down. Mm. these these effects were so ahead of their time like nowadays the way that they would do this effect would likely be a light up display but you know it was a little bit more technologically uh challenged at the time underneath especially budgetary wise exactly six flags yeah Mm -hmm. red blinking eyes would appear under the bed as well the next bedroom would appear to be upside down with ghosts hanging from above as a hotel guest finds themselves dangling from the bedposts. Afterwards, we would be plunged into darkness in a pitch black room with spirits appearing and disappearing suddenly. In the kitchen, a ghoulish figure is stuffing his face with a wedding cake while haunts hide within boiling pots and pans on the stove. Our final stop is the rear garden where we face off against final spooks and receive our scores. Upon exiting, an animatronic bellhop would scream at us, No! Wait! Don't go! You didn't get them all! Guess we will have to ride again. And and one thing, you'll notice what is missing from this attraction. Can you tell? The Ghostbusters? Not only that, (laughs) but the ghosts we're familiar with 
from the movies. What, like Slimer and Gozer, I suppose? Slimer, yeah. Gozer, the, well, the Ghostbusters 2 hadn't appeared yet. So, you know, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Right, of course. You know, all those, all those kind of characters, they weren't in there. So it was very generic ghosts. And in fact, the only thing that seems to be in this is the idea, like in the Sedgwick Hotel is the, what they're pretty much basing this upon. That's mm-hmm. the scene where they go and get Slimer. And the, in that scene, you know, the whole idea is that you're going into a haunted hotel and you're busting some ghosts. Otherwise, these are very generic sort of ghost ideas. It's it's very similar to uh, Sally Dark Rides, of course, would make later on boo blasters or ghost blasters, which was repeated all across the United States to kind of license these out. And those it was it's very similar gags as well. The only Ghostbusters influence that it seems to have is on the vehicles themselves. So they're pretty much slapping the Ghostbusters license onto there. Right. The first installation was going to be at Six Flags over Texas before spreading to all Valley Six Flags parks in 1987. There's a lot of photos online. They actually show the prototyping in Sente where they had a ride track and had the doors would be opening and showing how the effects would work, which is very interesting. Why wasn't this built? Put it bluntly, Bally sold the Six Flags parks in 1987, putting the project on immediate hold since the two companies were no longer intertwined. In 1988, the rights of Ghostbusters were up for grabs again between Disney and Universal. Disney wanted the rights to input a Ghostbusters scene in their upcoming great movie ride attraction. Have you heard about this one? I think we discussed this a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I don't remember. What was the scene exactly going to be? In the great movie ride, I think it's between Indiana Jones and... No, it's it's right, bef- it's right after uh, the tour guide takes takes hold of that of it again right Mm -hmm. yes that's it and it's in between uh that scene and tarzan that's it you go past a horror scene with all these skeletons coming alive in that scene originally it was going to be a tribute to both horror and comedy via going on the rooftop and seeing the ghostbusters blasting the stay puff marshmallow man and that was going to be that scene. And they wanted that badly in the great movie ride attraction. Universal also wanted to build a Ghostbusters stage show. Ultimately, Universal won out, creating the Ghostbusters Spooktacular in 1990, a stage show which utilized Pepper's ghost effects. Are you familiar with that? That, that of course. No, I don't know much about Universal. I mean, how did it use the Pepper's ghost effects Other aside from just creating... You so know, there were two versions. Yeah, there were two versions of the show. The first one, there was a tour guide there, and you would enter in this theater. And in the theater, you would sit, and above you would be the set of the skyscraper top on uh, from Ghostbusters the original, where Gozer would come out. And mm-hmm. they've they've recreated perfectly, but in front of there, uh, front of that would be giant large panes of glass. So you would be looking Mm. up and in there you would have ghosts appear as Pepper's ghost effects. Uh, So they would look transparent. And also there was a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man as the Ghostbusters, which were live actors, would come out and shoot them. A second version of the show actually involved Lewis Tully as they would incorporate the lower part of the stage. So remember the actual panes of glass and that where you would be looking up. 
You would be right. actually be looking up at that to create because that's the way that the Pepper's Ghost effect would be created. And the and below you would be training to become a Ghostbusters, and Lewis Tully would be trying to get you to become a Ghostbuster. Walter Peck would enter, shut everything down, and then they would move up to the set as all the ghosts come out of the <laughs> what is it called again? That the containment unit. I don't remember. Oh, you, oh, the little the little square things, or well, you, you know what the in Ghostbusters nineteen eighty four. I can't believe. Oh, that. Well, right when they when they ca- when they uh, yeah, the big the big Twinkie, right or whatever. <laughs> the very end of the movie uh, the, where they open the yeah, they all come out of the the Ghostbusters headquarters. Yes, I guess it would be yeah, a containment, yeah, the containment unit. unit. Yeah. yeah, that is exactly yeah. exactly what it's called. That was right. Yeah, so they uh, they turn off the containment unit and all the ghosts escape from that. The Ecto Containment Unit. That's what it's called, the ECU. And, and so it, it, it ran for about six years and was generally successful, but there was no Ghostbusters ride. Well, in 2016, Motiongate Dubai opened Ghostbusters Battle for New York, which is a trackless shooting dark ride that received <laughs> less than favorable reviews for being generally terrible. I showed you a video of it. What did you think? It looks awful. I mean, a lot of those, uh, we, we could talk about this for hours, but a lot of the... Um, the uh, POVs that come out of the the attractions that have been built in various parks in Dubai tend to just be rather cheap dark rides covered mm-hmm. in screens with very little immersion, uh, immersive design work put into it. And the biggest, one of the biggest offenders of that is, of course, the Ghostbusters Battle for New York, which the queue is actually rather faithful to the the Ghostbusters kind yeah, of you, style. You enter, you enter the uh, Crook and Ladder Firehouse. Yeah, and that it looks fine, but when you get on the attraction, it almost looks like you're in a big warehouse where yeah. somebody's set up Epson projectors uh, and given you little laser pointers. So. Well, the whole the whole idea is that they they set you on these trackless vehicles that look like little Ecto one units. Right. You go out and you're on a rooftop, and all of the scenes are on these very obvious screens. In this rooftop set, there's barely any moving props or figures, and you have a shooting shooting wand, and you kind of shoot it in these really poorly projected, poorly lit scenes, and that's it. That is literally it. I don't quite understand <laughs> what the idea was, that, what the, uh, the intention was there, but you're right. The screens do not blend in well. It almost... I was looking at it, and I don't know why, but the first thought in my mind was PowerPoint. Especially because if you watch the video, the first thing that they shoot at, the little target practice, looks particularly awful. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about. It's in front of like the little white ghosts in front of a blue yes. fake screen, I guess. Yes, yes I know um, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't quite know if this is a <laughs> this is a good replacement for for I guess what what we're talking about, mm-hmm. but. I guess I, I do think though that uh, uh, it preserves the Six Flags design mentality, and that's what I'll say. And <laughs> no, I think that this attraction that we're talking about would be much better than you know the whatever's in Dubai. I'd I'd rather collect spores, molds, and fungus than ride that ride. To be honest, <laughs> in, in that same year, <laughs> the Void also debuted its own Ghostbusters attraction, a VR simulation where guests explored an apartment building with proton wands and took care of ghosts like the actual characters in the film did. I did this um, while working there. We had the Ghostbusters dimension, uh, rest in peace, Void. 
and it was actually pretty faithful you would you know put on the backpack and would you would feel like a ghostbuster you'd get the neutrino wand you would go in you would feel like you're in an apartment building uh you you would have the the trap would come out you would take the ghost you would you know trap it with everybody else and put it into the into the trap then uh, eventually you would go and uh fight the state bush marshmallow man it would explode. You would smell marshmallows. It was actually pretty great. You never did this. No, I only did the one Star Wars uh, uh, right. experience. Mm-hmm. But that does seem pretty neat. Which might I ask, which uh, Ghostbusters was the uh, uh, the VR based on? It was technically based on. Oh, you're going to make me say it. It was based on <laughs> two things. It was based on both the 2016 film and the. Yeah. How but... is it possibly based on both? Uh, it, it just was. I don't can't explain. It. <laughs> but there were characters. There's, there's ghosts from the 2016 film. There's also ghosts from the 20 uh, the 1984 film. And are there you, any Ghostbusters in that one? In the what in the Ghostbusters dimension? In the, in the, the void. void. In the void. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd is is uh, Ray Stance in it. Actually, it, Dan Aykroyd. Yes, actually, Dan Aykroyd. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, you get slimed. You know, you could say he slimed me. <laughs> which is which is pretty nice <laughs> and you get to you know wear a unlicensed nuclear accelerator on your back and hey pretty, pretty great don't don't be off <laughs> you, and you cross the streams at the end it's 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 pretty great i in this one that's the thing about the haunted tuna hotel it doesn't really doesn't really have any of that it's really loosely based on ghostbusters so let's ask what if what if a Ghostbusters Haunted Tin Hotel was actually made? Would we still see it in the Six Flags Park? What if other Ghostbusters attractions and shooting dark rides? Uh, I do want to note that uh, Six Flags does have a shooting dark ride right now that they've replicated in all the parts. It's the Justice League Battle from Metropolis attraction, which is mm. unique. It was made by Sally Dark Rides. It um, has a kind of emotion base on it. You have your little uh, shooting guns and fight off these lex luther drones it has 3d it's actually really well done there's animatronics and everything well but, that that that's cyborg animatronic i wouldn't call an animatronic oh my god the joker <laughs> animatronic is good though okay is that the is that the one reason the big car or yeah it's the one that has it's like in the uh giant shooting tank right right that's what it mm-hmm. is yeah yeah as to the question, should what if this thing was made? I don't think Ghostbusters is necessarily a property that I think has maintained relevance into the modern day. Not that I don't think it's a good movie, but just that I don't think in the modern day there's a draw for people to go visit a Ghostbusters attraction. Okay. Um, I think that had it been made, it probably would have gone the same way as like – Remember that uh, who had the Scooby Doo shooting attraction? Well, that for years? was so that was at the Paramount Parks. Yes, because I remember I saw it at Carowinds um, mm-hmm. once. But I think it would have gone the same. It would have gone the same way as those, where it's an easy retheme. Yeah, because um, right now those are all Boo Blasters on Boo Hill, which is a pretty generic theme from Sally right. Rides. Yeah, I don't think that the Ghostbusters attraction would have stayed around. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, this doesn't seem like. I mean, even the the concept art looks pretty neat. But yeah, nothing necessarily ambitious. Okay, uh, ex- except for I guess the 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 technological ambition of the the moving bed and the the ghost in the elevator and stuff like that. 
is it's not necessarily crazy. It's 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 impressive, I guess. Had it's impressive for done. the time, right? Yeah, that that's true, and mm. especially for Six Flags at the time, that's ambitious yeah. for them for for a group that kind of just <laughs> gave up on that. Yeah, very well, quickly at the time after. they they made the um, Bally's the one who opened the Six Flags power plant, mm. which was in your neck of the woods, which is in uh, nearby in Baltimore. Oh really? Is that uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's at the yeah it's at the power plant there, which is I believe at Barnes and Noble and Hard Rock Cafe. But oh my goodness, I know exactly that Barnes and Noble was just closed. Actually, yeah, I think um, it was. Yeah, it yeah. used to be it used to be a theme park, an indoor theme park called the Six Flags Power Plant, which had no rides in it. Wait, really? Yeah, uh, it was a family entertainment center which had four attractions in it: two walk through special effects laden attractions, a First of its kind 40s show. This was before before Captain EO. It had smells and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm not joking you, the last ever Mark Davis animatronic show called what? Yes. This this actually existed. It's called the Six Flags Power Plant. It is fascinating. And I almost kind of wish it was never made because I could talk about it in this podcast, but I can't because it actually existed. It was open for five years, July 1985, and it had uh, those four attractions, like I said. Mm-hmm. It was not very successful, though. Sadly. Interesting. Very mm-hmm. interesting. I did not know that was a thing. Uh, the Mark Davis one was called the Magic Lantern Theater Show. It's What's sad is there's like no footage of this at all. Well, you can think of that next time you go to the Dick's Last Resort in there. <laughs> and if you look if you look at the Magic Lantern, the photos of it, it mm. is crazy because... It looks identical to like a country bear jamboree or something like that. Very interesting, mm-hmm. huh? Wow, that it, it, honestly, that's some that's a place I I've been there many times. No, I, I I've been there many times and I've always wondered like because I I mean it used to be an actual if I remember correctly a running power plant. Yes, but yeah, I didn't know that. I did not know that there was a, a theme. Well, I don't know what you would call it. I guess you'd call it a theme park. Oh, look at that. There's a couple old little videos here. Anyways, very neat. Uh, yeah, I so I guess at the time, perhaps Six Flags' reputation uh, of the era that I was born into precedes it nowadays, and I wouldn't have expected them to hold on to it. But seemingly at the time, maybe that was this, uh, this was kind of what they were doing, was more quote-unquote experimental right. and budget you have attractions. To remember this is the time of the the arcade uh being super popular and they kind of wanted to flirt with that mm-hmm. you know and, and this isn't the first company to think about shooting dark rides disney was always thinking about it for a long time they wanted to do something like this uh, i think this was a popular notion until they finally did it with buzz lightyear and now we have shooting dark rides everywhere Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the redefined. Right. I think if if this was made, we would be fortunate enough to have these sort of attractions all over Six Flags before the Justice League one. In fact, I believe like these would have been just remade into the Justice League. Potentially, yeah. I'm almost kind of glad that it didn't happen. Once again, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a good thing for representing ghostbusters because it barely has anything to do with it it just seems like it shares sort of some ideas and the 
the displays on the vehicles, but that's about it. If you took the vehicles and took the Ghostbusters logo off of it, mm-hmm. this would not be a Ghostbusters attraction. No. No, 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 no. It would just be a, a ghost shooty attraction. Exactly. And because right. it seems like it's missing so much of the identity of Ghostbusters. It, it looks like a very spooky hotel attraction. It could very yeah. easily be, be rethemed. Well, I think that, number one, the one thing that I, I do think is interesting there of what you're saying is that the shooting dark ride definitely needed a spark. And this actually, you're right, this could have been the spark mm-hmm. to make that possible. Something I don't know when the first shooting attraction was ever built. Uh, um, that would most likely be Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger spin. If there's the any, first one, though, I, I mean, there's been was, like I believe that's the first one. Mm, interesting. And well, then, then yeah, it might have pushed it. Well, then maybe we could have they could have gotten rid of Buzz Lightyear then. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an interesting concept. I think that. I mean, if if we're talking about like individual opinions about uh, the the attraction, I do think that Ghostbusters. There's like a whole there's like whole theories, I guess, as to why Ghostbusters works. And I fall into the the belief that Ghostbusters is Ghostbusters works because you have a bunch of funny people who were funny on SNL doing a workplace comedy where the bit is that they're exterminators who get rid of ghosts. Right. right? It's not really a. I mean, at least in my opinion, it's not really a ghost movie. I mean, it's about ghosts, right? But the ghosts are not really the core of the film. I think you could write a good two minute SNL bit about ghost exterminators and Mm -hmm. then the difficulties they have on the job compared to like rat exterminators. Right. Right. And then it kind of evolves from there into a, into a, 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 an ensemble comedy. So when, which is why I never quite understood the Ghostbusters cartoon I would. I didn't watch it. I was. I wasn't born. <laughs> but and, I guess what I mean is so fond of it, and I don't get it. I watch it, and it's like the the writing's terrible. Yeah, I, I I would see like people on YouTube talk about it, and I said Egon has blonde hair. I don't know what's going on. And, I would, <laughs> and Slimer um, is in it, and he's yeah. just like obnoxious with that Frank Welker voice. Well, uh, he, oh yeah, you're right. He has the 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 general Frank Welker gibberish. Yeah, voice, right? it feels like yeah, it feels like it's kind of the poochie sort of thing, you know. <laughs> If Slimer's not around, people should be asking, where's Slimer? I think that the one problem I have with Ghostbusters in general is that ever since the first movie, because little kids went and saw the first one, it's kind of like Roger Rabbit. Like the, the, the whole Roger Rabbit's a great movie that has Disney cartoons in it. Mm-hmm. But like to me, Roger Rabbit's most successful because it's actually just a pretty good noir movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, all intent, for everything else said, it follows the beats of a good noir. Um, and if you were to make a, well, if you were to make a Roger Rabbit theme park ride (laughs) and there, maybe there's a reason why it's not as interesting as the movie, because Mm. it takes what the kids really like and it misses, you know, you're, you're pandering to the kids who gravitated to the movie. Ghostbusters isn't really a kid's movie. There's a scene where Dan Aykroyd gets. (laughs) <laughs> Never mind. I don't know what the rating is on this podcast, but uh, he, let's just say he <laughs> gets a present from a. Yeah. Well, right. He gets the the ghost unbuttons his pants and he gets a present. You know that part is is almost famously not childish. But what carries on into the cartoon and into the sequels and into this attraction is the idea that Ghostbuster is the haunted mansion. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a movie about funny ghosts. Yeah. Um. 
Now, and that's question, not the case. Now, question, if they were to make a Roger Rabbit dark ride, <laughs> and let's just say one of the characters uh, has quite a revealing dress and she's tied up, uh, what if instead we take her figure and we cover it up with, I don't know, a trench coat? And a detective fedora, and we put a sign in the queue that says she's a detective now. I, I think that that would make it more palatable for kids. Don't yeah, you? yeah, that that's very that, yeah, that's very true. They they really should put a detective hat on the ghost that goes down on Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> they just cover it up with a trench coat, and now it's safe safe for kitties. If you gave me an hour, I would love to talk about that. <laughs> no, I, I think I think ignoring what you've just said, because I know that I'll go off on a tangent about how stupid Disneyland's being recently and how that's like Jungle Cruise made sense. But um, that's hilarious to to say that the female character can't <laughs> can't be attractive. It she, has can't, to be. she can't be in distress. She can't show her boobies. You can't have this, okay? Hey, it's bad. The SFD is going to write an article when Runaway Railway comes out. They're going to say she's objectified, and this is not representative of, oh, God, I, I'm getting canceled now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Look, uh, all we can say is that you, if the female characters have any semblance of sexuality, then they're they're horrible. They're, and this is a case wrong. of like this isn't like a right wing case of like a a stretched any semblance. This is like literally any semblance. Doesn't doesn't, <laughs> doesn't Jessica Rabbit like bonk one of the weasels on the yes. head in like the final one? But well, that's now, the whole, the, now she has right. to have a trench coat on. Well, the whole. <sighs> all right, one second, one second, Ryan. The whole point of Roger Rabbit. And Jessica Rabbit's character is that in the beginning of the movie, she's the general 1930s, 1940s femme fatale, fatale. Yeah, who's exactly. only there for her body. And by the end of the movie, she's Eddie Valiant's because they, they posit Roger Rabbit as like the 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 you know the Watson, I guess, to the Holmes per se. But by the end, it's Jessica Rabbit, basically. Have you, have you ever read the script for Toon Platoon, the Roger Rabbit sequel, a prequel I, that never got made? Did not know that it was has, a thing. It has a pretty great joke where Roger meets Jessica, but she's buttoned up secretary type, and he like immediately falls in love with her. And in the finale, she has to seduce a Nazi henchman. And so <laughs> they put her in the, the sexy dress. Mm-hmm. And Roger sees her in the sexy dress and he's like, what do you do with your with your clothes? You look terrible. <laughs> the joke is that Roger actually liked her all buttoned up instead. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even know there was a prequel. And to learn that it had to do with seducing Nazis is <laughs> very <laughs> curious. Observation. It, was a, it was a wartime. Uh, the idea was that Roger oh, Rabbit would be uh, recruited by uh, the force in World War II. And Jessica was would, kidnapped oh, by, by Nazi soldiers. It would be the tune version of Red Tails. Yes. <laughs> yes, actually, that is exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, well, my gosh. I, How did we go from ghost uh, oh, from Ghostbusters? Here, I'll, to I'll wrap it back. I'll wrap Rabbit. it back. Yeah. So the the three shorts, the three Roger Rabbit shorts that are on Disney Plus are are they appeal to what I think a lot of kids liked 
from Roger Rabbit, as well as the Roger Rabbit stage show in Disneyland. I think appealed to what kids wanted from Roger Rabbit, which was funny cartoon. He gets hit in the head and he screams and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But that despite the fact that it might be appealing to the kids, there's a reason why those don't stick around even as long as the original and not because simply because they're classics, but because the original Roger Rabbit is a more complex film that has aspects that kids can watch. You know, the best kids movies are just movies that kids can watch, right? Right. Spider-Verse versus the new Spider-Man movies. But I think that the Ghostbusters, and if we're going to, if we get to the, the build it or not, right. I'm going to make the claim here. The Ghostbusters attraction misses what the point of the Ghostbusters is. And though it might appeal to the cartoon, we see that even nowadays, the original Ghostbusters still has staying power. And I don't think anybody besides like those hyper nerdy YouTube channels (laughs) are watching the real Ghostbusters anymore. And and even worse, this attraction wouldn't have Ghostbusters in it. Yeah, without the thing, like uh, uh, the one thing that at least that motion gate attraction has Mm-hmm. is did they have the ghostbusters and they have references to it like on Very the true. walls plastered or quotes from it i don't believe it says it but you know we came we saw we kicked its ass <laughs> does it really say that i think it says something like that i don't think it says ass on i know it, it says i ain't afraid of no ghost on one of yeah. them perhaps mm-hmm. says, uh... and, and uh, at least it has some of that humor embedded within it and that, that's the one thing. Yes, the, the attraction has a lot of good gags and stuff like that. But is it really representative of Ghostbusters? I don't think so. Because the whole well, idea of Ghostbusters is the ensemble and their comedy, their, their quotes, their quips. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. how they bounce off of each other. And I, I think that, number one, you either have to have one or two things. You have to have the Ghostbusters or you have to have some semblance of its lore and its characters. And there's nothing of that present in it. Would it be a cute ride just in general? Yeah, I guess. But the what if would be that this would be easily generically themed otherwise. Well, presumably you're going to post some of these pictures that you you sent me in the, the show rundown on Twitter. So you guys can check the Twitter there. But one picture that's very... Uh, that I think is worth looking at is the elevator gag with the 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 ghost that cuts the elevator line. Yeah. To me, that is not a Ghostbusters bit. The, the Ghostbusters bits are about like you know starting a business in the eighties. That's mm. like a haunted mansion bit. Yeah. It, it, in fact, it looks honestly like a haunted man, like a real. I mean, the haunted mansion. I don't know how it would frame it, but it certainly looks like a a like a, a haunted mansion bit. So I think there's some certainly a clash there between. Ghostbusters, the the actual film, Ghostbusters, yeah. even Ghostbusters, the cartoon and, and the attraction, mm-hmm. um, perhaps it would have drawn in more people to Six Flags. Like the Superman ride isn't really about Superman. It's well, well that's the idea. It's using IP to lure people in. And they're like, well, here's something that's popular at the time. It's Ghostbusters. So let's make a Ghostbusters ride. Hooray. I also part of me feels like Ghostbusters, all of the characters are the Poochie Syndrome like literally all of them, Slimer and Stay Puff, I think are maybe I maybe I'm too young, but to me they're not like particularly interesting characters. They're only interesting they're not, because people say they're, they are. They're, they're they're visually iconic. I think that's, that's but are they? they like if you if you if you uh, picked no, no, like no, another would, iconic character and then I, you, you I Stay say, Puff. Wait, hold on, visually iconic. That's that's the no. you see them and everybody really can immediately go. Oh, that's that's Stay Puft. Oh, that's Slimer. 
people know them visually, but I think people know the Ghostbusters that. symbol more than they know. Well, I whatever. The Ghostbusters symbol, Slimer, and Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I, I, I definitely would argue that it's visually iconic. Well, I mean, it's what Slimer's John Belushi, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> so, so, if you ever want to shoot John Belushi. <laughs> Not in this ride. Okay, so build it or not. Do we think that this ride should have been built or should have stayed in another dimension (laughs) with Gozer? I'm pretty adamantly for the first time on the don't build it. Adamantly against it. it. Okay, I think it would have been a mistake. Why? Because I don't think it... Okay, for artistic reasons, I don't think it... I don't think it respects Ghostbusters. I don't think it's like related to Ghostbusters. For simply just like space reasons i question their ability to pull off the effects and i think that anybody who went on this if you're an adult and went on this you don't see your favorite snl actors if you're a kid and you didn't go on this you don't see your favorite ghost from the cartoon i think it pleases literally nobody and whatever technical innovations might be made are all in service of making a more boring haunted mansion so there's my please do not build that don't build this okay so as if somebody who's written a bunch of these boo blaster attractions they're very cute they are charming would Hmm. i live in a world without them yes because otherwise they don't really make that much of an impression on me so i am going to say emphatically don't build it because i really don't care you know i would say build Hmm. it Somebody said, hey, can I build this thing? I'm like, sure, knock yourself out. But for what I want, no, no, I really don't care. It's whatever. I'm just, you know, going to mill around. Anybody want to play Parcheesi? Okay, who brought the dog? I I, I could care less about it. I I agree with you. Mm -hmm. And is it cool to see? Is it cool to discuss? Yes, it is. But I think that the best version of a Ghostbusters attraction was is no more with that Ghostbusters dimension that was at the void. That was really cool and the best way to be a Ghostbuster. And it's sad that that is no longer there because of the COVID pandemic mm-hmm. and what it did to do it. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the void, I think, is one of those stories that we've talked about a lot about how just sad it is that that didn't pick up because I did like what I did mm-hmm. with it. So I can totally see how being having a literal proton pack on your back, right? Is a right. unique experience. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but in our preferred universe, we will not be sending you to the penthouse on Spook Central. <laughs> and instead, we will keep this uh, relegated to the past and to the great beyond where it never was. Unfortunately, uh, that brings us to an end of our little dive into unbuilt Ghostbusters. I would have to say that as for upcoming movies and whatnot for the Ghostbusters franchise, I don't foresee anything much more coming out of this theme park wise. Definitely not. No, no definitely really not. Don't. no, yeah, but any any final thoughts on this? I I cannot wait to see those little baby stay puffs on the screen because I know that I've seen that before. <laughs> I love I love when I love Ghostbusters. <laughs> this one actually respects it. There's 
the Ghostbusters. There's no women in it. Yeah. There's no yeah, the Ghostbusters <laughs> are children. Oh boy, I can't. I love wait. Stranger Things. <laughs> I love Paul Rudd. He is so charming. And... I'm done with Paul Rudd. Oh, I don't... okay. I'm I done do with him. him. I actually do like Paul Rudd. I he's sold out. Now he makes bad <laughs> Ant Man movies. Oh my god, you liked Ant Man too? We discussed it. Ant Man two was all right. You like? Yeah, it. it was. I I didn't hate it. You're right. I didn't hate it. I these movies. Here's the thing. These movies are not built to be hated. They're built to be passively enjoyed. <laughs> That's I I can't. The problem is, is that anytime anytime I always say the Marvel movies are the bad ones, everyone's always like, oh, but you like them, and it's like, yeah, I did, but I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. I'm not like a. I didn't sit there and frown the whole time. <laughs> I liked Teen Titans Go to the Movies more than I liked Ant Man. <laughs> Uh, I love this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So in the meantime, please follow us on social media on Twitter at unbuilt pod. You can reach me at open mother's mail and Ryan Dorman at open the doorman. Feel free to email us at unbuiltpod at gmail.com and rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Anchor or wherever you find this fine podcast. Please write a review and tell us how we're doing. And if you don't like us, thank you for listening to How Did This Not Get Made? I'm David Spencer. We'll see you here next time. See you guys. Ray, Ray, come in, please. I feel so funky. Spangler, I'm with Bankman. Oh. You got slime. That's great, Ray. Save some for me.